Well, hello there. Welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we discuss current events from the Christian worldview. But here's the catch. Each of us is doing so from a specific point of view. Everyone here is sitting in a chair with a label, and that is the perspective from which they will be speaking today. Today, we have Nikki Pomeroy sitting in the chair of theology. How are you today, Ms. Pomeroy? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Doing all right. Glad to have you on. And uh, that's to my right. To my left, I've got Josh. He's sitting in the chair of culture. And I'm back again to bring my cultural critiques. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I do good. I stepped on the scale this morning. I'm down ten pounds in the last ten days. Oh man, I'm down. I'm down two. So you're you're really beating me. Uh, but my... mind you, that's after I gained thirty pounds. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> but that's another thought. <laughs> and so, with that said, we've got uh, uh, on our far right uh, or far left, rather, we're going to have Charlie Pomeroy in just a moment, and he's going to be sitting in the chair of politics. How are you today, sir? Good to be with you guys. Glad to have you on. So, and uh, I'm your host, John Arthur Fiala, and I am sitting in the chair of philosophy once more, and I'm doing fine, Josh. Thank you for asking me. It's very kind of (laughs) you to ask. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, today we've got a story. We've got a few stories that we're going to try to get to today, and I know Josh wanted to hit up Peloton. Yes. So, actually, if I could, I would... Uh, well, actually, did everybody see this topic before I address it? And that's sitting in the chairs today. I'd say review it. Let's read the story okay, for on. our viewers, etc. Awesome. So there's some news coming out of Peloton. Uh, not good news. Uh, so they had some problems with their treadmills. And I'm going to read a, a, a title of an article I saw from CNN Business. And then I'm going to read a little bit of the actual go into depth in the article. And there's actually a specific section I want to read. So let's get into this. Pe- oh. Peloton initially refused to recall its treadmills. Here's why it can do that. You would think that federal safety regulators would have broad powers to order the recall of products they find dangerous or even deadly. You would be wrong. Agencies such as the Consumer Product Safety Commission and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration typically can only request, not demand, the company's order a recall when problems arise. If the company says no, the safety watchdogs have to file lawsuits to force a recall, a step they're loath that they loathe to take. You do see a lot of companies recognize that it is in their interest to do a recall, but there are a lot of times companies don't do a recall, and you have a fight and that largely takes place outside the public eye, said William Wallace, manager of safety policy for Consumer Reports. Uh, the relative toothlessness of the regulator's power was on full display over the past month in the case of Peloton treadmills. The CPSC came out with a graphic video showing a young child getting his arms trapped under the treadmill when a slightly older child was playing on the track. While that child wasn't injured, according to the agency, it confirmed one child's death and 70 other reports of injuries. And it issued an urgent warning for people with young children or pets to stop using the treadmills. And I'm going to read this last section because this is the section I wanted to get to. Peloton confirmed the child's death, but initially refused to order a recall. It took nearly three weeks for the company, which estimates the recall will cost it about $165 million in lost sales, to essentially be shamed into action. Its CEO apologized this week for delaying the recall. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and go around the room based on your philosophy, your chair that you're sitting in. What do you think? 10-second hot take culture. Go, Josh. 10-second hot take. So... 
very quickly a broad apparent issue was this value potentially of money and valuing profit over doing the right thing and value and valuing ultimately people's lives. Okay, from the chair of politics, how does this affect our politic? Yeah, this is really interesting here because you're talking about a major corporation that may be involved with financial giving to different campaigns, so on and so forth. And when you don't look like you're doing your job, quote unquote, for oversight in an area like that, that reflects negatively on you. I might quickly add, though, the issue there is that a lot of these politicians will go ahead and address something and, and jump on the bandwagon. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. But when it comes time to do something, they back off. So from the theological chair, it's Nikki. What are you, what's your hot take? Everybody wants to think that you care about what I'm doing. When I purchase your product, because you're telling me this product is going to help me in a sense. And then I, we find out that the product has an issue and you refuse to go further. You have just created a, a reflection of, I don't care. I don't care. So I would say that, that the company has hurt themselves more in the long run. People want to feel cared for. Agreed. So, and from the uh, philosophical chair, I'm actually have a very political take on this. I'm going to try to stick in my lane here. When the purpose of these regulatory, the teleology, the purpose of these regulatory agencies is to prevent this, what do we see actually changing it? Not the government, but the consumer on the other end. And while it is a bad ploy to 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 do this, that, or the other with with uh, hiding. Uh, I'm actually more on Peloton's side than others. You shouldn't have children crawling into treadmills while you're running on treadmills. Uh, uh, you know, that's really interesting because one of the first things that came to my mind as Josh was reading this, and obviously I'm stepping outside of the political uh, aspect here, is that more responsibility needs to be taken by people using the equipment. Agreed. Now, sure. should Peloton issue some strong statements when they sell something like this, yes, and I don't know if they do that. Maybe they do. But to your point, John Arthur, I think the responsibility here, in my opinion, lies a little more with Peloton than with, I'm sorry, with, with consumers than with Peloton. Peloton is, they're in business to make money. They can't, they can't oversee everything. You're not really stepping out of your lane, Mr. Politics Charlie, because you are actually sitting in in the in the realm of policy, and it, so he's just addressed that from the from the political chair, more or less. Josh, give us your short, longer address, your two minute or less address culturally and what this does. Okay, so obviously when they were going into making this decision to recall the treadmill, they and they mentioned in the article they were going to lose a lot of money. Yeah, they're going to lose a lot of money. In fact, I would like to share this stat. At the very beginning of the year, Peloton's share price was one hundred and sixty-five dollars a share. At this current moment, it's at eighty dollars a share. Ouch. It has that's that's a hit. And actually, within the past week, because I mean, it had been going down a little bit because before this news happened. But when this news happened, the day it happened, I believe they took a fifteen percent dip in their shares that that day of. And you know what? It stretches into not just something like this. It stretches into things like automobiles. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. So, Mrs. Pomeroy, what do you think the moral obligation of Peloton would be? From a Christian theological perspective, what's their moral obligation? 
Well, let me just share this one little thought for you. I was actually at a gym and an older woman got on a treadmill and she didn't know what she was doing. And it went really fast and she went face down. And I actually had to pull her off the treadmill Hmm. and stop the treadmill. And she was taken by an ambulance to the hospital because... Road rash. Yeah. To the face. She really did. But morally, um, like I said before, I'm going... I probably would hinder or may not buy a product from them because of the way they're handling this. Sure. And so from, again, I'll I'll address it quick from the philosophical chair uh, before we go for a wrap up on this topic. I, again, I'd say, what's the purpose of the treadmill? And I'll, I'll compare this to a weight machine or to a barbell. The child, the barbell rolls on a child. Is the barbell company responsible? My question is not, are they responsible, but did they do the right thing in trying to hide? Mm. Once they try to hide, I am no longer on their side. They are trying to obfuscate. Uh, that is not a good thing. They should have got out ahead of it just from a purely pragmatic standpoint by offering saying, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to add this this uh, safety catch mm-hmm. or what have you. But please, please, please do not let your children play on the treadmill. It's like, please, please, please don't stick your fingers in the, in the weight machine. Exactly. And that, and you're a hundred percent right. It's, it's when it comes to that, there is a lot of personal responsibility that comes with the equipment. I mean, it's purely on you to make sure that something bad happens. Sure. Freak accidents happen all the time, but I think it's what you were just getting at was, was the, it wasn't necessarily that the incidents happened. It's that the company litigated to kind to cover, cause I believe it talks about this later in the article, Peloton actually litigated and had lawsuits to try to suppress this type of information from coming out. And so ultimately what we see in the culture, or at least I think is that we're taught that, Hey, we want to make as much money as we can make possible. But if you think about that, you're, I mean, let's talk about the Bible and t- the way it talks about money. I mean, it says that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. That's not saying that rich men can't get into heaven. It's illustrating just the type of sin and the type of mentality, vi- and, mentality heart. and heart that comes with making that much money. And so we need to stray away from this ultimately from a christian perspective we need to stray away from this mentality of just making more money and instead cuz ultimately if you side on the if you side with righteousness and you side with doing the right thing and following christ these types of issues like suppressing this information wouldn't happen well let me go ahead and actually contradict you for a second. I'm gotcha. going to hop in the economic chair for a second because it's empty. And I'm going to go ahead and say, make all the money you can, as much as you can, every day of the week. And by the way, something like this is not a stumbling block to that. If you come out and say, oh my gosh, we are retrofitting everything. We are going to come at it. Their stock would be higher or the same. And they would not have lost the public trust the way I, they did. I think what... Josh just spoke a moment ago as spot on, and that is the issue of the heart. And the heart is the thing. Yeah, I, I, I think <clears throat> I see where Josh is coming from, and and I probably would would politely disagree on that to on the one extent where he's going. But when he said the heart and the mentality, that's it. That that's it right there. Because if you think about it, and, and I'm going to use <laughs> talk about politics. 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to use a, a few examples of non-Christians who use their wealth for some pretty good things. And, and actually, could I clarify something? Yeah. I'm, I'm not against people making a lot of money. I'm against people hoarding a lot of money. Amen. There and, you go. And, sure. spend, yeah. and spending that money on frivolous things that have, like, for example, is it reasonable to own a private jet? Is it reasonable mm. to own a Lamborghini? Of course it is. I was about to say, uh, of course it is. Lamborghini? I don't know. You can make an argument. Jet? Absolutely. Well, uh, Based I, on if your time is worth $30,000 a day, all of a sudden that jet trip is now it's well worth while. Yeah. Uh, and if you have five people who's, who's worth that, they're making that much money every day and them having to be there is a difference between whatever, that's fine. But I understand where you're going. Is it... Yeah, is it avarice or is it practicality? Let me ask. Let me yeah. go ahead. Because you know, I'm I'm going to throw something in here. Is you know, there's a Bible verse that says that um, a wise man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. And what I want to apply here is every company should have a plan for this type of thing. Correct. There should be a financial plan that says, "Hey, we're going to run in." Now, business does not always run smoothly. You've got to have a backup plan because some things go bad. And if you're not prepared, you're you're going to lose your business. So let's go ahead and go one last little quick take around the room to wrap this one up before we go to the Dogecoin. Uh, Mr. Pomeroy, politically. Uh, politically, I, what I would like to see more is that if a politician is going to side with a consumer, quit, quit talking, start walking, do something about it. Otherwise, keep your mouth shut. Because you're not doing anybody any favors other than trying to make yourself look look good. Uh, yeah, don't suppress the, the truth. Don't suppress information. Mm -hmm. Be upfront about. Don't. You can't hide sin from God. You can't. So why would you hide the truth, the, the hide truth from everybody else? Because ultimately, yeah, it, one way or the other. And even though the the safety the regulation agencies. Uh, the guy, the author was trying to suggest that they are letting people down because they have this very flawed process of getting these things happening. Peloton could have just done it from the get-go. Correct. But they chose not to. Yeah. Exactly. And by the way, I would actually come – again, I, I have a very political bent on this. I'm going to try to stay in the philosophical chair. Uh, if the purpose of these laws is to prevent this, they failed. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm a borderline anarchist. Uh, my, my. My. My opinion is what works. Consumer outrage is what changed this. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I think the purpose of uh, uh, having a free market, the free market is adjusting this. Mm -hmm. And it's doing a good job, kind of veered into the economic chair as well. Mrs. Pomeroy, your opinion theologically on? I think honesty, I'm going to agree with Josh. I think honesty goes a long way in business. I think if I, I can trust what you're saying, even if you make a mistake and you come and you clean it up, I can trust you and I'll buy from you again. So you're saying God's instruction manual is actually a good good thing to go by. Yes. Oh, uh, go figure. <laughs> so with that said, if the creator of the universe made an instruction manual, would you read it? He did. It's the Bible. But uh, moving on to the next story, Josh has one other story for us. Yes, I have one other story. I mean, hot topic. I, we're kind of jumping on the bandwagon with this one. But I think it is pretty practical, though. I think it is specifically practical for this week because Elon Musk did go on SNL. And considering he's kind of the figurehead for this, this topic, we're going to be talking about Dogecoin. So... What, what is Dogecoin? Okay, so Dogecoin, it's a cryptocurrency. It's classified as meme coin. 
to put it simply, uh, if you want to, so if you want to just know my economic take on this already, uh, don't invest in it no matter what, unless it's literally at less than a penny, I would never put any type of money into this because it is a, it is something that is not, it is not based upon anything. It is quite literally just based upon traffic, but that's besides the point. That's just kind of a synopsis of what Dogecoin is. It's a meme, but it's a meme that you can make money on. But Elon Musk, I thought it was interesting. The founder of Doge, not the founder of Dogecoin, but the founder or the founder of Tesla, who is the figurehead for Dogecoin, did urge against investing in it and kind of gave a caution to it. So I'm going to read this headline and I'm going to read a little bit of the article like I did before. Elon Musk urges caution as Dogecoin and other cryptocurrencies continue to surge in price ahead of SNL appearance. And that was the other reason is that this was brought up is that he was appeared on Saturday Night Live the previous night. Okay. The Tesla and SpaceX boss has begun famous in the recent weeks as perhaps the most famous promoter of cryptocurrencies. He is taking a particular interest in Dogecoin, the digital currency that began as a joke but is now worth almost $100 billion, referring to himself as the Doge father and suggesting that it could one day be used as real currency. In a new tweet, however, he advised people to be careful when investing in digital currencies, namely Dogecoin. People should not invest their life savings in cryptocurrencies, to be clear, Musk said then. That's unwise. He said that investing in it, go figure. He said that investing in it was fun and could pay off, but that people should be careful. If you want to speculate and have some fun, that's a good there's a good chance that crypto is the future currency of Earth, he said in the same video. Then it's like, which one is it gonna be? Maybe there will be multiple, but it's all speculation at this point. And I just wanted to stop the article there. And Okay, so let's go around the room. First off, a hot take from a political standpoint. What do you think is gonna happen with cryptos if we ever go towards a one world government? No, there it's not it. What do we you will. think? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. So Ten second hot take it, on it's Doge. going to be, um, in my opinion, it's going to be one or two digital currencies that will be controlled. Uh, right now, Bitcoin is is massively up there. You're talking mm -hmm. uh, twenty thousand dollars. Well, fifty eight thousand. Is it okay? So I'm not, mm -hmm. I haven't even been watching it, and I already know that my figure is way outdated. But here's the thing. Ethereum is moving way up. Sure. Yes. Dogecoin is working uh, its way up. Number on Ethereum. So that was actually one of the cryptos that's been spiking a, a heck of a ton. A lot. Recently. It went up. I think at the beginning of the year, it was at two. Because I, I saw this the other day. It was at $2,000 an Ethereum. And now it's at 3900 in Ethereum. Yeah, it, Correct. They're, they're skyrocketing. It's, it's going this way and it's going to stay that way. But Doge is probably going to drop to the wayside. If you go to those two, one or two, Doge is a baby player by comparison to the others. I'll say this uh, one more thing regarding the, the political, political aspect. Um, it's interesting on Josh's comments. I'll, I'll talk more about those in a minute. The thing is, is that what has put the digital currency on the map? And it's one thing and one thing only. And it is because the U.S. went away from a gold standard and went to oil. That changed the dynamics of everything. And now, why are we in debt like we are in this nation? Why is it the Trump administration was fine with, with spending all the money? Why is Joe Biden pushing $3 trillion bills through Congress? 
The reason is, is because they can print the money to match what they need. Well, it's not even, it's not even oil. It's fractionalized banking, but that's a whole nother topic another, that we could talk, could go on. So your hot take theologically, what is, what do you think God says about jumping on something that's sort of a gamble? Well, actually I'm going to, I heard something this week that I think that we all should, this can be very fearful because when, if we go to a digital currency, the government controls you completely. What you buy, what you sell, what you can do. I mean, it is absolute total control. It's convenient. It's very convenient. But convenience doesn't always make it um, good for you later on. Yes. So the digital currency, I think, from looking from a biblical perspective, is it's totally in times. Yeah. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. We should. I heard a, a man say this week, we should be excited that we're living in this time to see biblical prophecy come to pass. And so when you're looking at this, we don't need to be fearful. We have the Lord. The Lord is going to take care of us. But we can see the truth of God's word coming to fruition. And that should be exciting. Indeed. So your 10 second hot take. 10 second Josh hot take. from the culture chair. So I actually thought this was interesting that he was saying this because I think culturally nowadays, it's easy to just go along with what's being told to you. It's mm -hmm. and 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 a lot of people don't really it's it's valuing what you're being told instead of personal education. Correct. And so I think that's where I would go with it culturally. And so from a philosophical standpoint, we we've kind of branched into talking about Bitcoin, Ethereum and and that's all all very 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 important to look at in the regard in regards to Dogecoin. But Dogecoin what's the purpose? What is the purpose of what we're doing here? It's either to preserve, hold, or increase wealth. I would not invest in Dogecoin because you're looking at uh, holding a bag when someone else is done with the billion drain out. There are a million and one of these cryptos that have come out, and uh, they're very interesting, very, very good. But also, again, the purpose, veering over towards the theology lane that Miss, Miss Nikki's inhabiting, What's the purpose of this? Why are we having this push? And why is the media so excited about pushing this? Probably because we're in the end times. Mm. So uh, after that, go ahead and give a quick quick re, uh, refutal or, or rebuttal to Dogecoin, uh, Josh from the culture chair. And we're going to go around the room and then um, we'll move on to the CRT and schools story. So I actually think that when it comes to the, so. From a cultural perspective, there's a plenty of things wrong with doing just what you're told. In fact, I, if you want to be honest, I think that's exactly why we're in the problem in, a, in the church in America that we're in today because of that exact yeah. thing. It's because when you were growing up, first of all, it's a lot of casual Christianity. And what's the? how did that happen? It's because a lot of people just did what they were told. Yeah. They they went to church because they're they're their mom or their dad told them to go to church because, hey, it's a good thing to do. Never figured it out for themselves. N never really figured it out for themselves. Never really got to think for themselves. Never really got to ask those questions. And I mean, this I mean, that whole entire thing just spills into the identity politics, the, uh, the, the, the whole different thing. And you know, you'll probably be able to address some of that coming up. But at the end of the day, seeking out information on your own. And I think this is – it's interesting that when the guy – who is the, the figurehead for that, that crypto is telling you, think for yourself, be aware. Check what you're doing. Check what you're doing. He's, I mean, I feel like that's common sense, 
but the, the but there's a reason for him saying that it's because he knows that people are investing their whole entire life savings so ultimately i would say pursue ed, pursue education pursue finding the truth on your own and pursue wise choices so but that ultimately comes from a theological perspective and that's where i was just going to segue over this time i'll skip or we'll run over to miss palmer over here miss nikki theologically what do you think about what's your thought on spending money on a speculative cryptocurrency um i if you can't see it can't touch it can't hold it you can lose it real quick (laughs) i would i would say that you're putting a lot of faith into something that has no real foundation. I don't know if foundation is the correct word, but remember what is here today digitally can be gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you're investing, you're taking a lot of faith. So I'd be very, very cautious of what you're going to invest in this. I'm not saying that you shouldn't invest anything. I'm saying if you can't lose it, don't invest it. Yes. So, and, and that's becoming, uh, uh, true of those tokens, you know, those, those Mm -hmm. unique tokens, they're finding that all of a sudden they're deleted and they're lost and all of a sudden a thousand dollars of original artwork, quote unquote, is lost. So Mm -hmm. yes, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Mr. Palmer from the political chair, uh, what is your, your assessment of Dogecoin and the future of it? Is it a good idea? Well, so politically speaking, I've, I'd leave everything alone, let the market play out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and that's purely from a political standpoint. You're talking about from the government perspective. Yeah. Yes. Do, do I really have... Are they going to stay in that lane, though? Well... S- speculation here. Let me tell you where I think they... And this is where I think we can see a lot happening just in America, but all across the world. If it helps me to have power, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold tightly. Correct. So if if Dogecoin allows me to do just that, okay, I'm going to let things play. But the moment that I see that I'm going to be losing my power, seize it. it, it something different is going to happen. And I think politically speaking, that's probably where a lot of you people are. You know, uh, for us as everyday Americans or, or just a, a person walking this earth, because everybody can invest in this stuff. But for us, I, I think some of the points that Josh has brought out are, are really good. I, I will say too, there's a reason why we're here. And it's because we have not done well in managing our own debt as a nation. We've not done well in how we value uh, currency. Uh, look, look, Rome... Rome was the one-time, big-time player. You know, they controlled the world economy, so on and so forth. They lost it. Uh-huh. And America's no no different. America right. can lose it. Just, well, some would say she's lost it already. Um, and, and that quite well could be true. But I, I want to make this one point again. There's one reason why the government is pushing through massive spending bills and they feel okay doing it. And it's because of digital currency. They can print the money that they need to, to try to keep up with it. Fractionalized banking. Yeah. Yeah. Bad stuff. Yeah. So from a philosophical standpoint, and I will veer into the economic seat Mm because that we don't have that seat filled. Uh, Again, 
you're looking at a currency whose purpose is sort of nebulous. There is no real concrete nailed down surety. The one thing you have with Bitcoin Ethereum is that they're large. The problem with Doge is that it will likely fall to the wayside in the next six to 12 months. I will add one more thing too on the issue of uh, Ethereum. The one thing that Ethereum has going for it is the blockchain technology. That well, all of, almost all, if not all of these are blockchain. Well, it, yes, but they feel like theirs is superior. And that's why I think they potentially will be a bigger player. I'm not sure that they bring Bitcoin down. But that's why I say, I think in the in the end, it's going to be one or two. Sure, I agree. That's where it's going to land. Agree. And I think they're going to go ahead and seize control. So to wrap up this topic, just shotgun round real fast. Josh, the takeaway from Dogecoin in just a couple seconds or a couple sentences, rather. Okay. So, first off, God's in control. I, and I know that's kind of a theological bent on it, but that is the fact that our God is in control. But we need to be valuing personal education over just being doing what we're told and going along with the hype because that that has more implications than we than we see from the outset. Go counterculture against the pressure. Go culture chair Josh. Moving on to Mr. Pomeroy. I think um, from a political perspective, I think it's wise when you don't invest all your eggs in one basket, mm -hmm. uh, in one thing. That's because the, they can come in and take it, seize it. That's, that's the issue. So I would say that um, I think investment is a spiritual thing. I think God does want you to invest in certain things, but I think you need to be cautious, and I think you need to be prayerful about how much uh, everything you have is God's and how much of it you want to actually invest in it. Mm. Amen and amen. Good, and good, then from good again, philosophical, economic, I'll ride the, I'll straddle the seats here. Always, always make sure you know why you're investing. To Josh's point, invest for the right reason, not for peer pressure. And make sure you understand the purpose of attempting to invest in something that is as uh, memeish as Dogecoin. I would say, watch out if you have money to burn. If if you were going to put it in the oven and burn it anyway, go ahead and put it in Doge. It might actually come out making a a, a few nice more duplicates. Heck, heck, <laughs> heck! Even the Athletics, the baseball team, the Athletics, they had a promotion where they gave the some of the fans that came a hundred Dogecoins. Wow. Mm -hmm. Which is about $4, but I mean, hey, who knows? So <laughs> moving on to our next topic, I'm going to go ahead and try to induce this. I've got three articles. I'm going to try to grab the, the highlights from each one, but there's an I want to set this up. This is a parent group accuses uh, the Rockwood School District. I believe this is in uh, Missouri of uh, uh, inserting CRT, critical race theory, into classes and then hiding the fact that they were doing that and saying we're going to take it off canvas and hide it from the parents like we always have. Let's go ahead and uh, roll into this. So uh, on Friday, this is from uh, westnewsmagazine.com, uh, starting the article here by Kate Upper Tegrove. Man, I butchered but but that. I'm sorry, Kate. With that said, on Friday, April 30th at Brookdale Farms in Eureka area, residents gathered to partake in what was billed as a community conversation addressing what is being taught in your child's school. The catalyst for the meeting was concerning uh, was concern stemming from the curricula in the Rockwood School District, 
which a group of parents says is indoctrinating their children with critical race theory, CRT. In an email dispatched early this month by a Dr. Natalie Fallhurt, the district's literary speech coordinator for grades 6 through 12. CRT is based on the premise that race is not a natural, biological, grounded feature of a physically distinct subgroup of human beings, but a socially constructed category that is used to oppress and exploit people of color. The theory dates back to the 1960s. We'll talk about that in a moment. But CRT was not officially organized as a movement until 1989. With that said, we're going to go ahead and scroll down just a little bit. But uh, uh, the accusations were that the school district was pushing an agenda. Uh, CRT specifically, they're making white kids feel bad about their privilege. They're using the words white privilege, talking about children, teaching kids to be social activists, basically indoctrinating indoctrinating these children. Uh, we are teaching microaggressions for whites only to blacks only. So it's a one-way street. Microaggressions are a one-way street based on your color or your culture uh, and that they are teaching kids to be democratic as in the party in their thinking. Now, with that said, after detailing the complaints, Dr. Fallert's email goes on to say, this doesn't mean throw out the lesson and find a new one. This is in regard in response to the parents' critiques. Dr. Fallert says, don't throw out the lesson plan and find a new one. Just pull the resource off Canvas. Canvas is the teacher-to-student resource that is providing the in-home classroom, for those who don't know, uh, experience for the kids. Pull the resource, hide what we're teaching the kids so the parents cannot see it. Canvas is the district's learning management system that connects teachers, students, and parents. It's been instrumental in the process of conducting school in a virtual environment. Falhurt's email advises, keep teaching, just don't make everything visible in Canvas. This is not being deceitful, Falhurt says. This is just doing what you have done for years. This is to the teachers in a memo. Prior to this pandemic, you didn't send everything home or you didn't have it available for the parents. You taught it in your classroom and things were just peachy keen. We are going old school. They're hiding what they're teaching your kids. Okay? They're hiding what they're teaching your kids. And what is critical race theory? Uh, this from the New York Post. What it's really about. Uh, uh, critical race theory is fast becoming the, America's new institutional orthodoxy. To explain critical race theory, it helps to begin with a brief history of Marxism. Originally, the Marxist left built its political program on the theory of class conflict. Karl Marx believed that the primary characteristic of industrial societies was, to, was the imbalance of power between capitalists and workers. This article goes on to say that these regimes in Soviet Union grew, fell, fell out of uh, uh, favor. By the 1960s, Marxist intellectuals in the West had begun to acknowledge these failures. They recoiled at revelations of the Soviet atrocities and came to realize that the workers' revolutions would never occur in Western Europe or the United States. So what they did was they started to focus on race during the 1960s. Uh, if this, again, from the New York Post, most Americans believed in the American dream, the idea that they could transcend their origins through education, hard work, and good citizenship. But rather than abandon their political project, Marxist scholars in the West simply adapted the revolutionary theory to social and racial unrest in the 1960s, and we started to create the categories, the intersectional categories that we have today. 
So they're hiding this when they're teaching this to our children from a cultural standpoint. Josh, give us your 10 second hot take. Okay. Teachers hiding CRT. So teachers hiding CRT. So obviously want to preface something real quick. Not obviously and my sister's a teacher and I actually had a conversation with her about this. Not every teacher is doing this, obviously. Correct. And, and we know this, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not saying that, but there are teachers that are doing that and they're doing it secretively. I mean, this goes kind of goes back to that whole issue with Peloton where it's like suppressing information. And the thing is, be upfront about it. Don't just hide it. Because when you hide it, it seems like you have an ill motivation going behind it. I mean, how would they feel if we were secretly teaching Christianity in in schools and hiding that from the parents, right? Mm. The atheistic, humanistic perspective would be pissed. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Palmer from the political chair. This this is an extremely divisive issue. And what I find interesting about this, um, political leaders are going to have to choose a side on this because it is polarizing. But I find another thing to be interesting here is that a lot of blacks are coming out against this as well. This is not... Why do you think that? Because I think the government in, in and of itself... I'm sorry, the, the culture. My apologies. The culture and politicians are using, I'm going to say it like this. I I feel like they're using blacks for their own personal gain. I feel like they're using homosexuals for their own personal gain. Case in point, you want to talk about a great recent illustration of that? How about Caitlyn Jenner? Sure. Hello. I mean, she comes out and, and says that, we're going to do this, and it goes against the 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 culture, the the wokeism, and all that. And guess what they do? They just about crucify her in in the, in the press. So you know this to me, the Democrat Party. I'm sorry, the people that advocate the wokeism and the CRT and stuff like that. They do not have a principled approach to this. It is my approach. What I want, everybody else sit down and be quiet. You could almost say a little bit fascistic, but uh, moving also, on. Also, <laughs> actually, never mind. I'll, I'll, never yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I do want to get Miss Pomeroy's hot take from the theological chair. Oppression has occurred since the beginning of time. It, whether it's white on white, black on black, uh, Asian on Asian. Mm-hmm. Oppression is a, it's, it's a sinful nature and it, it has always existed and always will. Mm. Critical race theory is nothing more than using racism to try to correct racism, which is going to bring more racism. It's not going to solve it. And anybody who has a reasonable thought can understand that this is going to cause more issues in our society, not solve them. Absolutely. So from a theological or philosophical standpoint, uh, what I would say is... Again, you go to what is the purpose of what we're trying to do? If you have good intentions and you are dividing people by their color and you are saying that this is how we are going to to now structure the society, might I suggest to you that that is exactly what they did in Germany. That is exactly what the Democrats did in the slaveholding South, the Jim Crow South, the uh, Japanese internment camps. May I suggest to you that it is not the color of a man's skin, but the content of a man's character. Oh, wait. 
I, I happen to be quoting Republican Dr. Martin Luther King Reverend. But moving on to Josh from the culture chair. How do you think this hiding of the the ball, so to speak, the shell game with what we're teaching kids, what do you think the end goal is, the purpose, and how should we as Christians respond culturally to this obstacle? So I was going to add a caveat to what Nikki said at the end there, unless they get everybody to think the exact same thing. And that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get everybody to think what they want to think. And... And to kind of go to my bigger thing with this and suppressing this information and and ultimately what's their motivation, I think from from a from a motive standpoint, obviously it's it because for me I would like to know and in fact we probably do know that most of the people who may, uh, who produce the the modern CRT movement that we have today do not subscribe. To absolute truth. I would totally agree. Yeah. They don't subscribe mm -hmm. to an absolute truth. So therefore, everything is relative. And when you get to into that type of ball game where everything becomes relative, then oh, then we're just going to just say whatever and we're gonna and guess what? It's right because we said it was right. Yeah. So but, somebody's gotta be wrong. Yeah, somebody's gotta be wrong. Uh there's there's two there's Tip, it's, it doesn't go any other way, but that, that's where I'm kind of going with it, at least in my thought process. Mr. Palmer, from the chair of politics, uh, what do you think this is going to do to the objective and goal of furthering God's kingdom for the church? And how should the church respond politically to this? Well, uh, so I, I don't want to steal Nikki's thunder on this. The church should be standing up against it from a political standpoint. Obviously, it's going to depend on what side of the fence you're on. You know, if if you're on the side where all man is created equal, uh, you better start standing up and saying something and coming out against it. And obviously, there's a number of people that are. I think where it ultimately ends up, especially from a political standpoint, is that politicians lose control of this thing. And this becomes a fight between world versus Christians. That's where this goes. Politicians are not going to solve this issue at all. They're Either gonna, side, they're going to exacerbate it. They, they are going to exacerbate it. I think uh, ultimately this this becomes, and I think this is where all culture goes. And not to steal Josh's thunder, but this is where all culture goes. This fight is not Democrat versus Republican. It's not libertarian versus any of the others. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not even communist versus any of the others. This is all about world versus God. That's where this ends Indeed. up. I think one of the most disheartening things that I'm seeing that's being taught, and, and this is this is sad. I would never I would never teach this to a child. But we've got white kids that are being taught you are nothing, and you should walk up to your, your black friend and tell them you are nothing. And lick their boots. That That is so sad. I'm not discounting what's happened in the past. But that is not how you solve the that past. That child did not do that. Amen. Amen. I have no problem with making a Nuremberg internee lick a Jew's foot. I would, you know, it's a little weird. 
But I'm saying like like, like the groveling, I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that because they committed the atrocity. I would think it's weird. I think you're kind of kind of sick in the head. But okay. With that but said, they'll have blacks that will come back and advocate what you just said there. And, and they'll say about two white people who never held a slave. And so, and that's the question. And it's not a matter of blacks. It's about cultural Marxists. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to start yeah. to take my own time here. I want to go to uh, Mrs. Palmer from the Chair of well, Theology. Let me, let me give you a different spin on this. Because on my Facebook page, it's very interesting because some of my black friends are standing up against this stronger than my white friends. I think what you may even see is more unity among those who are black, white, Hispanic, Asian, who see this as a problem and are against it. I think you might see more unity in their in in that side of things. Um, It'll codify a a union of Christians who were unified yes. in and theology. You think it it is, mm-hmm. will implode on those who think that they're going to gain power from it because I think you're going to lose a, a lot of people who say, "Hey, this is this is racism using." trying to, you know, correct racism, it doesn't work. So I think it will eventually implode for those who are trying to... And, and can, I go, can I add to the theological chair there? Uh, it was kind of something me and John Arthur were kind of discussing before we even got started today on this podcast. But it's that the solution that CRT proposes for change it is political. It's, 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 it's through these actions. But the thing is... When we're Christians, if we believe in Christ, if we believe in an absolute truth, we know where true change comes from. And true change comes ultimately from Christ. And then Christ will, could influence things like that, like put policy, but, but it changes. Where does the change come from? Change doesn't so, come from, yeah. Let me piggyback off you real quick, and I'm going to run into the philosophical chair here. Cultural Marxism. It's just a rebranding of the same old Marxism we saw in Russia, we see in China today, we see, and and it doesn't work. But here's why. The philosophy of Marxism is attempting to arrive at heaven on earth. It's the humanist's attempt Mm -hmm. at heaven on earth. That's why you have a utopia. And when you see, when you see where it goes, the problem is, is the assumption is that man is basically good and can be corrected with either the evening of wealth or the evening of the hierarchies. You take the white male patriarchy, you lower it down, and you bring everyone down. The problem is, the problem is they're looking at heaven and they are yearning for something deep. They're yearning for something better. Mm. And we have that because you look at heaven. Heaven is the ultimate communal society it's not communism it's god's way christ some people say christ is a communist if you want to be reductive to the point where you you miss the point the purpose of heaven is everyone working together each according to their need each according to their own but fully fulfilled in perfection only because they are aligned with one spirit with god Marxism is trying to align everyone with one spirit and if you don't fit the 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 mold you get sent to the gulag what we see here is an opportunity to share the truth. We see Satan's biggest lie, the lie that people say religion kills more than anything. I agree. The religion of atheism killed more people in the 20th century than any religion, all the religions combined. 
and the previous 19 before uh, or after Christ and all the ones before. The religion of atheism has killed so many people. We have the truth. We have heaven. And when critical race theory comes up, we can appeal to the truth that there is a heaven. There is a hell. And there is a reality that uh, uh, what we have in Christ is that fulfillment that people are looking for. They will not find it in racial or social hierarchies. Mm. And I and I just kind of going to that point. I heard this, and it goes exactly to that point. You know, communism, theoretically or not theoretically, it well actually no, theoretically, theoretically, yeah. theoretically that's the right no, yeah, that's the right word. Communism theoretically, it's awesome. It's it works perfectly. It's heaven but, on earth. But but here's the problem. It's like what John Arthur was saying. It's with the assumption that human beings are good and they're going to pursue the the right things. But the thing is. We have the Christ perspective, and we know that that Christ, this this belief in Christ, is is what changes us. It's not it's not that we're good. It's that He is good, and He makes us good. But the problem ultimately comes from the fact that every single day we stray further away. Let me add on to that because it goes really well. Forgiveness starts today. It doesn't start with going back into the past and correcting the past. Forgiveness starts today. If you really want change, then let's today make a decision that we're going to treat everybody equally and that we're going to love and respect everybody equally. You can't go back and fix the past. It is. You, you just can't do it. Don't spend your time, waste your time trying. Just start today. Great Doing, point. Look at Peter and Jesus. Yeah. Peter denied Jesus three times. Where did Jesus start? Do you love my... Yeah. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? That he didn't go backwards. Right. He didn't. He didn't go back and say, "Okay, now you got to go back and and tell everybody that you're really sorry for what you did." Where's my reparations, Peter? Yeah, you know that. I think that's a really good point. And so, with that going around the room, just uh, on our on our last little wrap up here on this on this topic, uh, culturally, hiding. This this view that hiding the fact that we're we're teaching this to children and holding it away from parents. Remember, we were talking about how Planned Parenthood last week comes in and teaches children about their peepees and tatas. No, 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 no. It's a penis and it's a vagina. Mm -hmm. That's what those are. Your parents have no idea what they're talking about, and they hide that from the parents. They're doing this with critical race theory as well. Culturally, Josh, what do you think the Christian's response? is to this if you're activity. A if you're a parent, you need to be involved in what your kids are doing and you need to be involved in the choices that you make for your children. And that includes, you. but the thing is, in this situation, they made a choice and then the information was suppressed. But here's the thing, you need to, and I'm glad that this came out, but parents need to raise their their kids up ultimately in this foundation that is built on Christ and need to be involved fully. Amen. Totally agree. Mr. Pomeroy, from the political side, how should the church react and how should we be working towards uh, uh, a godly outcome when teachers are hiding this from well, parents? I think one way is you start developing some relationships with the enemy. 
That's how you change hearts. You're not going to do it by avoiding them. And I would probably advocate that the church really should be uh, getting involved with some of the the uh, leadership, the principals and superintendents of the different schools. Should we be offering a an alternative to public education? Oh, you've already got an alternative. Oh, nope. Nope. You don't need that. You got homeschool, baby. And it, how about, it works well. How about church-based schools? I'm okay with church-based schools. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, the thing is, and what you're seeing is a lot of people are pulling their kids out of out of the public school because of this. They know what the damage is from this. And if the school boards aren't going to listen, I'll fix you. I'll haul my kid out of there. And that's what's starting to happen. It's not just in Missouri. This is happening across the country. This isn't the only example. I was reading one just yesterday. Correct. So this is not new. This is not, not uh, I, I shouldn't say it quite like that. This is not isolated. There we go. Correct. It is. It is happening all over the place. But I think if the church really wants to do something from a political side, if you will, I think they need to start getting involved in the schools. Amen. And, and trying to influence some of those teachers. Not attack them. And I'm not saying... As if it were friend, me, yeah. As their friend, what because are we going to tell Because there's them? teachers that are not comfortable with this, and they're in a really tight spot. I need a job. Yeah. I've got three kids at home, and my husband is doing everything he can to help support our family. I've, I've got to have this. So now they're in a quandary. Now they've got to face some tough choices on their own. Do I teach this stuff? Do I withhold this stuff? Do I come out against the school system on this stuff? The church needs to stand up behind some of these people and say, we're here with you. Absolutely. Let's get this. From the theological perspective, Mrs. Pomeroy. It's your responsibility to teach your children in the admonition of the Lord. That, it, it, that is your responsibility and you will answer for it. It's not God, the churches? No, it is your <laughs> responsibility. And if God has given you children and given you that um, rule to do, then he will give you the way to do it. And you need to examine what way that is best for you and your family. Absolutely. And so, again, I'm going to come back to what is the purpose of what we're doing here? Are we trying to train or indoctrinate? And as such, I'm going to say something controversial, uh, although I'm sure everyone in this room probably agrees. Uh, I'm On some level, I'd be okay with getting rid of public schools. I'd be okay with getting rid of public education because the church was supposed to be the one providing free education for the poor. Where has she been? Building bigger sanctuaries and not and focusing so much on Sunday attendance and not the change of the people. The church has not been focused on changing hearts and minds. She's been focused on warming pews. And she's lost her purpose, her teleology. With that said, that's how you get further every day away from God and righteousness. Thank you for listening. By the way, tell us in the comment section below what your argument is from the Christian perspective. Which chair are you sitting in on uh, weighing on one of these topics? And just let us know what you think. And if you're an atheist in our comment section or a non-believer of some sort, go ahead and jump on in there and give us your best argument from which uh, lane or chair you're coming from. We'd love to hear it. With that said, go ahead and please like and share this podcast. We want it to get all over the place. Uh, thank you for your listenership, for your time. We look forward to hearing from you. 